isn't it nice to have the bells back? Yes, thank you, Anvil. Good morning, Church Grace, and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church. Good to be with you. If you would, please fill, uh, find the attendance pads and fill those out. Pass them along to others worshiping beside you this morning. Uh, this is Coins for Missions Sunday. We have the blue buckets out in the narthex. It didn't even occur to me until this morning that with the children's message back, we could have the children passing them, but we didn't, we didn't prepare that, did we? So, so uh, the blue buckets are out in the narthex, and maybe next month we'll start having the kids pass those again. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you have coins with you, if you could drop those in the blue buckets uh, for our missions that we support in that way. Thank you for that. Uh, today is the, the last chance to get the booties for the uh, community uh, baby shower. The, the information is out on the boards there. You take a booty for uh, the gift that you're going to buy, and those gifts need to be back by next Sunday. So uh, if you haven't already picked one up and, and bought some presents, then uh, take one with you today and bring those back by next Sunday. Today is the last day to get back your festival of sharing kits. The health kits and the school kits are due back by today. So. Uh, if you didn't have, uh, have them with you this morning and you left them at home, then bring them back with you this afternoon uh, so that those can get taken to the festival of sharing. Um, let's see. Uh, Wayne wants to make an announcement about the, uh, re regarding the garage sale. Most of you know the uh, men's garage sale was Friday and yesterday. Um, it was a tremendous success this year. We had more items donated than I can ever remember. It's kind of frightening when you see all this stuff. <laughs> you wonder, well, what are you going to do with it if somebody doesn't buy it? Uh, fortunately, a lot of it was purchased uh, to the tune of a little over $4,000 over basically six-hour period, Friday night and Saturday morning. Uh, combining that with all of the stuff that we have sold online, and there are still things pending online for sale, we are up very close to $7,000 year to date, all of which, as you know, we'll go back to. <clears throat> all of this goes back to local charities. We try to maintain almost a zero budget, not quite, but pretty close to it. So virtually all of that is going to go back to local charities in the Greene County area, particularly in Xenia. But most of all, I wanted to stand up here today to thank everyone who's helped. We call this event the Men's Garage Sale, which is a bit of a misnomer. We have help from everybody in this church. The women's group help. There are people that are not affiliated with any of these groups that come and help. And without you all, this would be an impossible task. You know, John and I have been kind of trying to lead this thing, and it's a little scary sometimes to say, well, we're going to have enough people. We always have had enough people. Everybody steps up. And it's a tremendous, I think, accommodation to this church and to this church's commitment to the local community. So for me personally, I thank you all very, very much for all of your help. It's, it's huge. It would be impossible without it. And finally, and most importantly, uh, John Scherer needs to be singled out. He is the organizer and leader of this thing. The only reason I'm up here speaking is because I'm the president of the Methodist Band. <laughs> but John is the one that's really spearheaded this whole thing. And, and I'm assuming that he's here somewhere, so he deserves a round of applause, too. <laughs> so thank you all again for your donations, your time, and your contributions. It will be put to good use. Thank you, Wayne. 
There's an announcement in the bulletin that says we're having a church family night next Sunday, and I want to let you know that we're not having a church family night next Sunday. Uh, We ran into some uh, scheduling conflicts and decided that we need to cancel this one and hold off uh, until October. So uh, don't come for family night next Sunday, um, because I don't want you to come and find the doors locked and be turned away. So uh, just note on your calendar that that's being postponed. We will be planning one for... uh, later in October, so we'll get that announcement out to you soon. Uh, Finally, I just want to remind you of the congregational meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary, talking about issues related to disaffiliation, the Global Methodist Church, and answering uh, further questions that that have come up since the last meeting. Uh, We're going to start promptly at 4 o'clock, so please get here early and be in place so we can start right at 4 o'clock. It'll be an hour and a half meeting. We will finish by 5.30. So... Hope to see you all this afternoon at 4 o'clock. We are here this morning to offer God our worship and our praise. I invite you into a spirit of worship and stand as you're able for the call to worship. Come to worship God whose love was revealed in Jesus. Let all the ends of the earth turn to our God. Beloved, we are called to love as God loves us. We are to love one another as sisters and brothers. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. We seek to let God's love be perfected in us. Remember that God has called you by name. God claims you and has high expectations of you. And we'll join together in Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, number 400.
You may be seated. And let's join in our opening prayer printed in your bulletin. Great and ever-present God, whose mercy is an unexpected miracle, in Jesus Christ you offer your presence at all times and in all places and conditions. Yet we confess that so often we do not recognize you and your work that is in everything. Forgive us for the many ways we fail you. Teach us how to forgive and accept each other. Fill us with new life and renewed hope that you promise us all in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. There's a little light supposed to come on, and it's not coming on. <laughs> Nothing's happening. And would the children join me down front this morning? And any children at heart could join in too, if you'd like. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he told stories that would help them understand what he was trying to say? Well, he did that. And today, Pastor Andy's sermon is going to do the same thing. The story today is about grapevines. Jesus chose grapevines for this story because in the area where Jesus lived, they grew lots and lots of grapes. So he knew that the disciples and his followers would understand any stories about grapevines. I don't know if you've ever seen a grapevine, but it's made up of two parts, and mine kind of withered this morning after I picked it. But this is the vine, and branches grow out of the vine, and then the fruit grows on the branches. It's like any other fruit tree that has a trunk and branches and leaves, and you see the fruit growing on the branches. But if a branch breaks off and becomes disconnected, what's going to happen? I'm not going to have any fruit, right? So this was a piece of a, of a grapevine branch that I found lying on the ground. You'll notice it's no longer connected to the vine. It doesn't have any leaves. It doesn't have any sign of life in it. Since it came from a grapevine, it'll never have any grapes either. That's what Jesus wanted his followers to understand. He wanted them to stay connected to him, just like the vine and the branches and fruit all stay connected together. And he told them, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you'll have much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus wants you and I to be fruitful and to live our life in a way that we're kind and gentle and loving. And we can do that only if we stay connected to Jesus. So let's pray and ask God to help us to remain faithful to him. Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us to be faithful followers of Jesus and always stay connected to him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you, kids. We're going to turn now to our prayer hymn, which is number 
397 in the hymnal, I Need Thee Every Hour. We're going to sing verses 1, 3, and 4. Let us sing together in prayer. Lord, indeed, we do need you. We need you every hour of every day, every minute even, Lord, for we realize that without you, we are nothing. Cut off from you, we are dead, lifeless, fruitless. But in you, there is life. In you, there is abundant life. In you, there are fruits of righteousness and grace and peace and joy and love. And we pray, Lord, that we would be connected to you so that those fruits might grow up in our lives and produce goodness for others, for those around us. Lord, we pray to you for this church family, for all church families who struggle to to know how to be family, how to show that love to one another, how to 
reveal you to the world around us. And Lord, we pray for our country, we pray for our world, especially on this day when we remember those tragic events of 21 years ago. We remember the fragility of life. We remember the devastation that is brought about by hatred. We remember also, Lord, the goodness of the unity of spirit when we realize our common humanity, our responsibility to, to one another, our love for one another. Lord, we have a great desire for that unity of spirit to be among us even now. We have a great desire for your peace and your justice to reign in this world. Lord, may we see it happen in our time. And Lord, may we be a part of that answer to the prayer that we always pray for your kingdom to come. Lord, make us a part of that kingdom. Make us kingdom workers. Lord, we pray for any who are mourning this day. All around the world, there are people who are in grief. We pray for your consolation to be with them. We pray for your peace, and we pray that we might be a source of support and strength to someone else, that all people might know the hope that comes from you. We pray this in Jesus' name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers come wait upon us.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Generous and loving God, we dedicate to your service the work of our hands, the earnings of our time and efforts, and our vision for the future. May faith sustain us as we offer our best to you in praise and thanksgiving and joyous dedication. We seek to work for the reign of your truth an extension of the friendship granted to us in Jesus Christ. Let our offering bear fruit in the lives of all who are helped by it. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel lesson today is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the world that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Amen. Prior to coming to Xenia, I was living in a townhome apartment in Montgomery, Ohio, near Cincinnati. And the townhome had a front door and a back door. The back door opened onto a small patio. And I do mean a small patio, a tiny patio, really more of a step than a patio. I, when I moved in, I, I decided that I wanted to have some rose bushes back there. So I bought three uh, small rose bushes. I planted them, I watered them. I waited to enjoy the roses that would grow on them. Of the three plants, two of them seemed to do really well right off the bat. They, they gave me some nice big roses, even in that first year. The third rose bush, I, I wasn't so sure about. Shortly after I planted it, I started noticing some dead branches here and there. I started pruning it on a regular basis. It seemed like almost every other day I was going out and pruning off another dead bit. I really didn't think that, that that plant was going to make it. I, I don't think that I had a single bud on it that whole year. But as long as there was any life left in it, I was not going to give up on it. I, I kept watering it. I kept pruning it week after week. And it survived. Fast forward a year. That second year in the townhome, guess which one of those three rose bushes had the healthiest and produced the, the most beautiful roses? Of course, it was the one that I had tended and pruned almost incessantly that year before. The first time I came out the back door and saw the first bud on that rose bush, I was so excited. I brought a picture of it. Can we put... There it is. That was the first bud on that rose bush. I was so proud. In our gospel lesson for today, Jesus talks about a grapevine and branches. He talks about some branches that bear no fruit. They get cut off and thrown into the fire. He also talks about some of the healthy branches that get pruned so that they'll bear even more fruit. Now, I've never tried to grow a grapevine, so I don't have any firsthand experience with that, and it's kind of intimidating knowing that Elaine does. Uh, maybe she'll need to correct something that I say this morning, but uh, I'm given to understand that the same principle holds true for grapevines as it does for rose bushes. Both of them, if left unattended, are not nearly as healthy and fruitful as, if they, as they are if they are pruned regularly. If the dead branches aren't cut off, then the dead parts drain nutrients from the live parts, leaving the plant undernourished. But even with the live branches, even the live branches need to be pruned regularly. If, if they don't, then they'll tend to grow in on themselves and the branches get all tangled with each other, and when that happens, they can choke each other out, block out the light, cut off the nutrients once again. What you have to do with a grapevine is to cut off the dead parts and prune the live parts so that they grow in the direction you want them to grow and so that the fruit they produce will be full and healthy. Jesus, in talking about a vine and branches and pruning and all of that, he wasn't trying to give a lesson in agriculture. 
the people he was talking to already knew how to grow a nice, healthy vineyard. They had vineyards all around them. That, that was part of their culture. It was common experience. No, he wasn't talking to them about vine growing. He was talking to them, rather, about disciple growing. He was using an analogy that they all understood in order to say something to them about what it means to be a disciple. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is another one of the I am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. It's the fifth one that we've looked at. We've already heard him say, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd, and last week, I am the bread of life. This week, he's a vine. I am the true vine, he says. I am the vine, you are the branches. That second part of the statement from verse 5, you are the branches, there's something unique about that. This is the only one of the seven I am statements in which Jesus follows up I am with you are. I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus makes it clear that who he is it has a direct bearing on who we are. That who we are is completely dependent upon who he is and our relationship with him. In some of the other I am statements, our relationship to Jesus is implied. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, obviously he intends that we are his sheep. We know that's implied, but he doesn't come right out and say it. Likewise with the bread of life. If he is the bread, then we are the hungry ones whom he feeds. But only here in relation to the vine does Jesus come right out and state the connection directly. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is also the only one of the seven I am statements where Jesus extends the metaphor to include God the Father in the analogy. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. In this analogy, then, Jesus is drawing together himself and God and us, tying us all together, showing that we are all related, we are all united. Understanding what that means for us, his disciples, we need to first understand what Jesus meant by that first statement, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. This isn't just some random analogy that Jesus stumbled upon because it illustrates the point he was trying to make. No, to call himself the true vine in relation to his father, the vine dresser, that had a very definite meaning, meaning for the people to whom he was speaking. Remember, when we looked at Jesus as the good shepherd, I said the fact that he called himself the good shepherd rather than simply the shepherd meant that he was contrasting himself with all of the false shepherds whom Ezekiel had prophesied against. Here, too, when he calls himself the true vine, that implies that there are other kinds of vines. According to Psalm 80, God brought a vine out of Egypt and planted it in the promised land. You cleared the ground for it, says the psalmist to God. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Israel was the vineyard of God. Just as in Jesus' analogy, God was the vine dresser, but it was Israel who was the vine. 
but there was a problem. Isaiah chapter 5. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. What more was there to be done for my vineyard than I had already done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, it yielded wild grapes. For the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed. He expected righteousness, but heard a cry. Jeremiah 2.21 says, I planted you as a choice vine from the purest stock. How then did you turn degenerate and become a wild vine? Likewise, Ezekiel and Hosea talk about Israel as the vineyard of God, a vine that God planted and loved, but that grew wild and did not produce the fruit that God intended for it to produce. Therefore, says Ezekiel, it was plucked up in fury, cast down to the ground. The east wind dried it up. Its fruit was stripped off. Its strong stem was withered. The fire consumed it. Israel was a vine planted by God, intended to produce fruits of righteousness, but when it grew wild and produced instead all kinds of evil, the vine had to be plucked up. Then along comes Jesus and says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Given the Old Testament imagery of God's vineyard, what Jesus means by I am the true vine is that he has come as the true Israel. He has come to fulfill what Israel failed to produce. The fruit of righteousness which God wanted all along has finally been brought into the world in Jesus. The fruit of love. The fruit of peace. The fruit of faithfulness and devotion, the fruit of self-giving, all of these which God had wanted to grow up in Israel, now grow into the world through the true vine of Jesus. That then means something even more when Jesus extends the imagery to us. I am the vine, you are the branches. All who remain in me and I in them They are the ones who bear plenty of fruit. That doesn't just mean that our lives will be more productive and we'll be better people if we stay connected to Jesus. It means that too, but more than that, it means that in order to be a part of Israel, God's vineyard from the beginning, the only way to be part of God's vineyard is through the true vine of Jesus. N.T. Wright writes this uh, about Jesus' claim to be the true vine. He says, this can only mean that he is in himself the true Israel. He is the one on whom God's purposes are now resting. And his followers are members of God's true people if they belong to him and remain in him. The image of the vine isn't just a clever illustration from gardening. It is about who Jesus and his people really are and what is now going to happen to them as a result. What is now going to happen to them 
as a result is this. First, they are going to be pruned, and then they are going to bear fruit. I said earlier that the dead branches are cut off and the live branches are pruned. The dead branches are are those who reject Jesus, those who insist on going their own way, those who grow wild and produce nothing good. Those those branches are cut off, burned up. It's an image of final judgment. It sounds harsh. It is a warning. But it's not Jesus' main point here. Jesus was talking to his disciples This passage comes in the midst of the Last Supper. Jesus was speaking to people who already believed in him, who already had for some time. These were his friends. With the one exception of Judas, none of the rest of them were in danger of being cut off from the vine. These were the healthy branches. They had life in Jesus. And they were about to be pruned. The word that Jesus uses for prune in verse 2, it's an odd word. It's not easy to translate into English. Given the context, the word obviously means pruned, but it actually means something more like cleaned or made pure. And indeed, in the next verse, Jesus goes on to say, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So Jesus is drawing a connection here between pruning and cleaning. It's not only that we are being pruned in order to produce more fruit, but in that pruning, we are also being made clean, pure, holy. That is exactly what happens in the life of the disciple. When we are following Jesus, when we are abiding with and in Jesus, there are things in our lives that he begins to cut away. There are old habits that have been ingrained in us for years, but they are unhealthy. Ways of living that that work against the life in us. As we continue to abide in Jesus, we can no longer abide by those old death-dealing ways. God, the vine dresser, begins to cut them out. And it's painful for a time. But through that pruning, through that pruning, We are cleansed. We are purified. We are given new life. And the fruit that comes from the life of Jesus, the righteousness, the love, the peace, the joy, the faithfulness, these become ever more abundant in us. This connection that Jesus draws between pruning and cleaning, Jeremiah may have been pointing to the same thing. I already quoted Jeremiah 2.21. I planted you as a choice vine from the purest stock. How then did you turn degenerate? And in the next verse he goes on. Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, says the Lord. Jesus and Jeremiah both go from the image of a vine straight into the image of being washed clean. And the point of them both is this. You can't do it on your own. If you try to grow on your own, well, good luck with that. It's not going to happen. You're either going to dry up and die or you're going to grow wild. The fruit that you produce, if there is any fruit at all, will not be the fruit that God intends. It will not be fruit that leads to life. 
Very soon you will find yourself cut off and dead. Likewise, if you try to clean yourself up, that's not going to happen either. We cannot rid ourselves by ourselves of the sin that clings so tightly to us. The stain will still be there. The guilt will remain. We can't just clean ourselves up by our own willpower and be the holy people God calls us to be. Any more than a branch can grow strong and healthy on its own, having been cut off from the vine. Jesus must wash away the guilt and make us clean. He must cut away the sin that remains. Only then can we grow into the healthy, fruit-producing disciples that he calls us to be. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. How do we abide in Jesus? We abide in Jesus by regularly reading and meditating upon God's Word. We abide in Jesus through constant prayer. We abide in Jesus through weekly worship and personal devotion. We abide in Jesus by loving one another. Our reading for today is just one section of a much longer sermon. Just after the part that we read today, Jesus goes on to talk about love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Over and over, he talks about love. And the love he's talking about, it's not a a mushy concept about warm and tender feelings and a special fondness for certain individuals. He's talking about sacrificial love. He's talking about actions. He's talking about commitment to one another. He's talking about doing things for the benefit of others, even when you don't feel like it. He's talking about showing grace and concern even for the people who are pushing your buttons. You see, the difficult part about being a branch connected to the vine is that that keeps you really close to all the other branches connected to that vine. And sometimes those branches get all tangled up and sometimes they start to choke each other out. And then the vine dresser does some pruning. Then the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going to say that. No, you're not going to do that. Sometimes God has to cut us back down to size for the health of the whole plant. We have a choice as to how we're going to respond to that. And that's the difference between us and a branch. You can only take an analogy so far. A branch doesn't have any choice about whether it stays connected to the vine or not. But again and again, Jesus says, abide in me, which clearly suggests that we have a choice in the matter. We don't have a choice as to whether or not we get pruned. God does the pruning whether we like it or not. And he does it for our own good and for the good of the whole plant. But we can decide if we will receive that pruning and stay connected to the vine and grow in the direction that God intends for us to grow, produce the fruit that God intends us to produce, or we can become resentful of the pruning and decide to cut ourselves off. But if we do that, Jesus is very clear, if we do that, there is no life in us. 
life, true life, comes not from ourselves, but from the vine. I am the true vine, says Jesus. Let us always abide in him. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able for our closing hymn. It's number 419 in the hymnal. I am thine, O Lord. Let us sing together.
As you go from this place, may you stay ever connected to the true vine of Jesus Christ, for that is where life is found. Go in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.